you are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogue. Each week we design new decks for tournament play. We put our creations to the test and share our findings on the air. Coming up on the brew session, Mind Splice Apparatus offers cost reduction on a scale we've never seen before. Is this the second coming of Wilderness Reclamation? Then on the flashback, Atraxa Grand Unifier has been racking up trophies in Modern and Pioneer. All that and more is coming up on Faithless Brewing. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show! Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. I am David Robertson, and I am joined by the CEO of the Faithless Brewing family. He is Cave Dan Online, Daniel Schriever. What's going on, buddy? Hey, David. I'm doing well. Doing very well. How are you? Hanging in there. It is the week after the Pro Tour. By the time people are listening to this, they will know who the Pro Tour champion is. Hopefully, they will have enjoyed our previous show, talking about some of the technology, etc., Today, we are going to continue on our Merry Brewing way. We're going to revisit some of our ideas with Atraxa. You and uh, Emmy discussed last week. And first, we're going to get, of course, into our card of the week, which is Mind Slice Apparatus. I, at least, was getting some maybe like uh, Wilderness Wreck vibes. Uh, Dan was a little more skeptical. Fair enough. I was skeptical at first, but there's a lot of interest in this card. A lot of the ideas that I've been hearing about it. Got me intrigued. So, yeah, seemed like the perfect time to do a little bit of a deeper dive. So, yeah, before we get into all that, just a little bit of housekeeping at the top. We want to encourage everybody, if they are interested in the show and want to support us, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. Join at whatever uh, level is comfortable for you. You get Discord access. Right now, we are currently having... Our voting for our brew project of the month. We went through the 12 nominees in our last show. There were some sweet ones in there. There were some ones that I'm a little nervous about if they win. You never know what's going to happen. Um, but yeah, tons of discussion in there. Lots of people uh, with some ideas and a lot of times like putting two bad ideas together to come to a, a sweet idea, right? That's, that's the ultimate uh, in collaborative efforts. It's like a brew splice apparatus or something there, there, there you go <laughs> assemble a, a two three deck out of the parts of lesser cards <laughs> maybe a three two but yeah we'll leave the vote open this week uh, so by the time you're hearing this it, there's still time a uh, couple more days so get in there if you'd like to support the show if you'd like to nudge us in the direction of the next sweet card we should explore now's the time all right, so with that said, the next week card we are going to explore is Mind Slice Apparatus. This is three and a blue artifact, flash, very important. At the beginning of your upkeep, put an oil counter on Mind Slice Apparatus. Instant and sorcery spells you cast cost one colorless less to cast for each oil counter on Mind Splice Apparatus. So you can play it on EOT turn four. On your fifth turn, it is reducing all instants and sorceries by one. And it actually does work really well with the splice mechanic, which adds a lot of colorless cost to 
sorceries and instants. So maybe that maybe that's what this is all about. Oh, like glacial ray, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see. All right, reading the card explains the card. Interesting. Pretty straightforward card this time around. Picks up an oil counter on your upkeep. You can increase these other ways. You can proliferate to get more oil counters. You can actually move counters on. There's a land that does that. It's called the Monumental Facade. Cost reduction, as we know, it only applies here to generic mana costs. So you're never going to reduce color pips or Phyrexian pips or anything like that. But uh, the sky is the limit as far as how much of a discount you're getting here. I don't think we've ever seen a card that can reduce your instants and sorceries by quite this much. So that's kind of what's interesting to me about Mind Splice Apparatus, but when it's time to actually put the deck together, there are some key questions that, you know, we, we need to resolve. The first one is this is a four mana card, and yes, it has flesh, so that, that is important, but we do have to acknowledge that four mana is pretty late in the game, in my opinion. Agree. So are we going to just wait for it, or are we going to try to speed it into play? You talked about uh, when you gave us an initial concept for Mind Splash Apparatus that you know maybe you really want to play this on turn three. Maybe Growth Spiral is how you do that. Uh, or maybe there's some other ramp option. Yeah, I mean, of course we'd rather play it earlier than later, but when you list out the options that take us from two to four that are spell-related, obviously you could play Sylvan Carry Added. There's, there's a variety of stuff you could play. That doesn't quite work with... The synergy of mind splice apparatus, mind splice apparatus. Maybe you need to do this. We'll have to find out. There aren't any other spell-based ways to do it that are intriguing, other than growth spiral itself. You have joint expiration. You don't actually get the card <laughs> unless you pay three. So that doesn't do it in a, a card positive way. Magma opus. You're down a full card as well. So that's pretty concerning, right? If if we think this card is really only good on turn three, then we're already running into a bit of a roadblock. I mean, Magma Opus is one that gives me a little hope because it's also a payoff for later in the game when I've, when I've got several oil counters on this. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's still like, <laughs> I'm paying two mana to make a treasure and, and they're just playing a fable, which I did not have time to answer because I was busy doing all this and they're just getting treasures for free every turn. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts to make a treasure with Magma Opus. Yeah, it, you know, it, uh, it's not trivial. And like I said, there's there are creatures that can do it, but then, you know, do, how many cards do we want to play that don't synergize with our four-man artifact that doesn't do anything unless it's synergizing with the other spells in our deck, right? So you you don't really want to play Sylvan Carry Added into this, do you? <laughs> you know what I mean? So Yeah, I kind of do, but yeah, I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. Or maybe we just wait. I mean, that's the other option. You just you just say, all yeah, right. Yeah, counter, counter on two, counter on three, you know, whatever. Counter on four or play this on four if you don't want to counter the creature or... Spell that they cast. I imagine the play pattern is, is very similar to Memory Deluge. Like, you just have to find a time where you can take the turn off, resolve it, and then start to pull ahead. That's the hope. <laughs> if you can't do that, it's going to be a long week for us in the laboratory. <laughs> exactly. But all right, let's assume we've succeeded and we've got our Mind Splice apparatus into play. We've untapped, we put our first oil counter on maybe our second oil counter on what's the payoff here there's two ways to go there's the card draw way and there's the big spell way 
for me, I think that the card draw way is just by far the more attractive way. I think we've we found as magic gets more and more efficient in one-on-one play, it's better to do a lot of something small. You, know, you have small, efficient effects. Just do that as many times as you can. That's better than doing a big thing once. So in that respect, if my only payoff for my Spice apparatus is that I just get to cast very cheap pieces of the puzzle over and over again, I think that's actually fine. Yeah, and, you know, pieces or divide by zero you have here, those are cards that find expensive cards when you want them and can find cheap cards if you don't have the the artifact in play. So that is kind of also useful. Yeah. So yeah, there's a few different ways to approach the card flow. Um, there's two spells in one, right? So lesson learned. Divide by zero, I think, is the one that attracts me because you can go ahead and get that, uh, what is the seven mana? mascot exhibition right you have kind of a free expensive spell hiding in your sideboard flashback is also you know another option i I know we disagreed a bit on whether you should play the memory deluge but galvanic iteration would be another option and that has some pedigree especially with expensive stuff like extra turn spells and aftermath you identified commit to memory last time as like a very promising card with mind spice apparatus we can look for more cards like that that just stash a free spell in the graveyard. Uh, there's Spring to Mind is another one that you know, has card draw tacked on. Yeah, so what is that? That's two and a green to ramp and then six mana instant draw two out of your graveyard? Yeah, which is horrendous, but it's free. <laughs> it's kind of free if you're okay with three mana for ramping growth. <laughs> I don't know that I am, but uh, it's not nothing. Okay, all right. Pieces of the puzzle is quite proven. Treasure crews dig through time. What do you think about these? Like on the one hand, they they don't need the apparatus, but there are certainly game states where you prefer to not have to rely on the delve. Yeah. So I actually have proposed a list. Um, it'll be one of the three that we look at that, you know, we played a list uh, with third eye, third, whatever the new young pyromancer. <laughs> That triggers on uh, non-creature spells. Third path iconoclast. Third something, right? Third path iconoclast. And the most successful list that I played of that played the four mana dragon that made a treasure and then was able to tap the artifacts for mana. Galazeth Prismari. Yeah. Galazeth Prismari. And the cool thing was I was playing like four or five delve spells there. Now, normally against a delve deck you bring in your graveyard hate first of all the pro tour show people are just skimping on graveyard hate but whether they do or don't the fact that we had this other way to generate mana that was totally different actually really put them in a bind like what do you do bring in your mystic disputes to stop that or do you bring in your graveyard hate or do you bring in both and just totally abandon your plan a so the list i propose basically just eliminates the iconoclast and replaces the dragon with the artifact and so we're still playing five delve spells, and I just think that it's great. Like, they can attack our graveyard, that's fine. This means that they won't get totally stuck in our hand. Obviously, when we're, when everything's going well, we can pick and choose how much mana we want to spend or not. Um, so, yeah. You know, I think I 4-1 and just missed a 5-0, actually, with that list. And so, you know, it, it, this card could very easily be better than Galzeth. That, that wouldn't shock me. And we don't have to play any 2-1 creatures that are vulnerable to removal, so... It's a good brewing lesson there, because you might think, well, Delve does not synergize at all with Mind's Place apparatus, but 
when you're brewing around a card, you have to prepare for scenarios where you don't have this card in play. Your deck still needs to be efficient. It still needs to keep up, right? So Treasure Cruise and Dig Through Time, they don't rely on the Mind Splice apparatus, but they help it. They help each other in little ways. They shore up. They're like partners, right? It's a good partnership. Yeah. I put Leer Disciple of the Drowned in the card draw section just because it just, it's like suddenly you have an extra hand of 10 cards. Typically, that will be gated by your mana and whether Leer survives or not, of course. But the, the specific interaction between Leer and Divide by Zero is something that I'm very attracted to. You know, Leer doesn't allow you to counter things anymore, but Divide by Zero actually bounces instead. So maybe that's another card to just, you know, sneak one copy in. You, you, again, you're not relying on it, but it's just another way to suddenly win uh, when the apparatus is in play. Yeah, I mean, I think these are all like really interesting ideas. And so, you know, what the numbers are going to be is what we're going to have to find out. Because to your point, you can put a bunch of expensive spells in your deck, but this doesn't even ramp to them that fast, right? Like, okay, let's even say we have the gap. It's turn end of turn four. I play this. All right, on turn five, I can play a six mana spell. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of cards that let you do that, and, and they aren't exactly blowing anyone's doors off, right? So... <laughs> So that does raise the question of experimental augury, right? The, the question of like, do we need to speed up the cost reduction or are we content to just let it accumulate one at a time? If we feel like we actually, we need two or three oil counters on the apparatus quickly, then we should be playing an effect like the monumental facade or experimental augury, which are otherwise like underpowered effects. Well, at least Augury also can find you the artifact and gives you something to do on two if they don't play into your sensor or whatever. So I actually think that card is quite good in general. Um, and with this card especially, the fact that it's it's free after you play it is really interesting to me. You pay a blue on your turn five, it adds a second counter, and that second counter reduces another spell by the exact amount of mana that you paid. So I hear that, but what if Impulse is just better? Like it's one card deeper. That's thirty three percent more cards every time you spend two. You're you're just getting closer to your mind spice apparatus every time you cast impulse instead of augury. Well, you you only want the impulse uh, on turn two or three, but then every turn after that, I think augury is better. Well, it still only sees three cards. Zero mana versus one mana is an infinite difference. Forget about thirty three percent extra. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Okay. All right, something to consider. Um, so that's like pure card draw. The other thing you can do with Mind Splice that, again, very few other cards can do is you can get an enormous discount on expensive cards. Typically, the most expensive, attractive cards in a format are cards that take extra turns. All Runs Epiphany, Part the Water Veil, Temporal Trespass. And what's extra cute is that with that extra turn, you get an extra oil counter. <laughs> so it seems like very, very natural. Like, okay, this is going to be my end game package, right? I'm going to take one turn, maybe two turns. Maybe I take all the turns. If you don't want to go that route, you can just play something else that's big and impressive. Uh, I mentioned Magma Opus already. There's X spells. There's modal double face cards. You know, those are kind of free to put in your 60 well not free but low cost to put in your deck and then they're you know they're kind of clunky slightly overpriced effects that become actually quite efficient when you have the apparatus going maybe it's shattered soul smashing maybe that's the one that you like the best maybe it's uh saloon division the one that 
dig six cards deep. Or maybe as kicker and expels. Yeah, I mean, there's just a bunch of things that are sort of we didn't have access to that we do now because the reduction is so much. You know, even the um, there's a like two blue blue that you can kick for like three and a blue. And it either, you know, like bounces two creatures, you draw two cards, you make a thing. Like, oh, it's yeah. not unreasonable to, you know, like that card isn't good on four. But if you, you know, once you have this in play, then its first effect is quite cheap and you can get to the point where you're getting all the value, right? So that card is really only worth it if you're fully kicking it. Well, getting up to eight mana is a lot. But if you have this in play, maybe it only really costs you like five mana and then it's a very powerful card. But it's not totally dead if you don't have it because you have a three mana bounce two creatures or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think a final question we, we can toy with is do we want Mind Splice to be a truly unique effect in the deck? Do we want it to be the only card in our deck providing access to like this synergy package? Whether that's cost reduction or maybe, you know, maybe we're doing big spells and we want like torrential gear hulks or something like that and capricious hellraisers so that we have more ways to take advantage of having something expensive in the deck. How weird is the deck going to be essentially? Yeah, and Capricious Hellraiser is sort of like another Delve card, right? It wants you to have a bunch of cards in your graveyard, and then it acts as almost like a cost reduction spell. So I like the idea of Hellraiser if you don't want to play Delve spells, or maybe you play Hellraiser with Delve spells. The old Hellraiser then dig through time, leave your turn spell in your graveyard as your only hit, let's say. Um, or like a turn spell and a dig or whatever. I mean, you, you can imagine uh, in Magical Christmas Land, that would be super sweet. I guess technically the Hellraiser is capable of bringing back an apparatus, which otherwise is hard to do, right? This artifact doesn't really interact with any of the spell stuff, but in this specific interaction of Hellraiser bringing back apparatus, that could work. Yeah, I guess it interacts with the three and a white sorcery return target artifact in a play. <laughs> Oh, the, um, what is that, Refurbish? Yeah, Refurbish. Yeah. I don't know that, I don't know why they'd be in the same deck, though. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's something to consider. There aren't that many cards that, that kill the apparatus in the main deck. I don't think you need to worry about, like, returning that into play. If they counter it, you're, most of these decks are going to be very poorly set up against actual, like, hard control. And so you're losing game one anyway. I don't think you need to worry about Mind Splice apparatus returning in your main deck. I'm looking at this list of X spells here. Like, are any of these X spells actually playable on their own? The Black Twilight, that's the one that like, I'm curious about. And the Black March. Well, how many creatures are you going to have? <laughs> the Black March is good as a catch-up mechanism. So if you're playing like a blue-black list, I think you should play two March. Because especially in the late game, this can just be, even if it just is killing a Land of War Elf, it's like a gain nine or something. You know, for four mana, hmm. I'm making up a situation. So it just buys you turns, right? One, the hard way or the easy way. March of Wretched Sorrow. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the White March is almost playable by itself as well, and you can get a nice discount there. Hmm. All right, well, that's a food for thoughts. I mean, we have all these ideas swirling. There's plenty of spells you can choose from, but let's see what it looks like when we put it all together. So, David... I'll turn it over to you here because you've been hard at work on Mind Splice decks. 
Yeah, so the first list is just a updated version of the first one I proposed. I think you posted that to the Discord or maybe to the um, Faithless Brewing website. But this is playing the third color to because I, in general, think Girl Spiral is a super powerful card in the format. If you can use this card, then it's quite good. You know, our win condition is basically um, either copying Fight with Fire or just expelling our opponent out. We're playing the full four Fires of Victory. That's a card that gets better. Uh, it's fine early game. It's fine in the late game if we get uh, reduction. I'm starting out with a full four Experimental Augury as a way to ramp up our Mind Splice apparatus. And then the two Commit to Memory we talked about. And then we're playing a bunch of MDFCs, you know, two Saloon Division and a Seagate Restoration and three Juari Disruption to go along with um, all of our lands. This is the big growth spiral gamble. Yes. We're splashing into green almost exclusively for that. And that means we're giving up, well, life. We have to play a lot of shock lands. We're giving up some tempo because we have to play the Triumph. We're giving up utility because we just don't have as many slots for hollow storm giants or otawaras yeah absolutely so there's real cost at doing this and this is not the first time we've experimented with growth spiral being almost the only green card or being the only green card um you know so you know we are aware of the cost but the four mana do nothing turn is always so nervous to me so i'd rather it be the three mana do nothing turn <laughs> sure um so yeah that We'll we'll have to see if it's worth it. Uh, I'm not 100% confident. The other two lists I propose do not have Girl Spiral in them, so they are straight to color for that reason. I do want to ask you about Behold the Multiverse. This is three and a blue. Scry two, draw two cards. It has Foretell, so you can pay two on your turn to foretell it, and then at a later opportunity, pay two to cast it. You're playing the full four copies, and I'm just not convinced that's actually like an on-par card like i know it sees some play but to me this does not scream i should play as many copies of this as i can so i'm curious what your thought process is on behold the multiverse well we're playing copy effects so copying behold is good in a way that the uh you like playing the card with flashback is not we're also emptying our graveyard out with the commit to memory so leaving a card in the graveyard is not particularly valuable it only has one blue pip it looks at a lot more cards on the first cast. Um, and it gives us, if you really want to um, put it into Fortel, then that actually sets up like very efficient turns in the late game against other control decks. Okay. What about something like just pieces of the puzzle instead? I mean, we're not playing counter spells really, so it doesn't matter a huge amount if we just tap out. Yeah, I think pieces of the puzzle only is good if you're playing delve spells and we are not playing any delve spells because we are specifically trying to sort of do the commit to memory thing. Hmm. Well, pieces finds the memory, which is kind of cute. It doesn't you don't have to play the the front half of commit. But all right, well, well, I actually want the front half if we if we think mind splash apparatus is in play, then I do want the front half. I think actually think commit is going to be a, a powerful card. Hmm. So I certainly have pieces of the puzzle in uh, another list that I'm proposing here, but you have to actually take advantage of the graveyard, I think, for that to be good enough. Because pieces is just a draw two that can't hit lands if, if you aren't using your graveyard at all. 
Well, it's not quite, I mean, it's a search for two, right? It's like a draw five, keep two. Maybe not that different from scry two, draw two, but it guarantees action in a way that even Behold doesn't quite do. Anyway, that was my small pitch for <laughs> moving off Behold. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with Behold. We'll just give it a shot. All right, on to the next list is a blue-white list. So one of the things I was thinking about is, I actually think just think approach of the second sun is a better way to win the game than a bunch of turn spells. Because I've watched some people play these games and they resolve a turn spell and they resolve a second turn spell. And they don't win. <laughs> They're like, man, I'm this, I made two birds or I turned one of my lances into a 6-6. Six, six. And I still need to like draw another turn spell. I still need to draw action. Approach just gain seven life. So that's functionally like almost like taking a turn, especially if it's cheap with mind slice apparatus. And then it just has a clean way to win the game after that. So I don't know that these turn spells are good in decks that don't have planeswalkers, don't have any creatures at all, maybe have a couple of creature lands. Um okay, yeah, your mind splice apparatus gets another thing, but it's like often their hands are exhausted because they're to get to this point, and so they're just like it's like a really expensive explore, basically. Um, maybe it makes two birds or something. And if your opponent has any creatures back, you don't get to ever like do the, okay, attack you with Hall of Storm Giants and take a turn that turn somehow and then attack you with Hall of Storm Giants again. Like Those things never quite seem to happen. And so people are always getting tempoed out and they're kind of wondering why it's happening. So this list is playing divide by zero. Um, it is a blue-white list. So we're, we're playing Temporary Lockdown and Supreme Verdict. Divide by zero is actually sweet with temporary lockdown as well. If you want to um, like return the temporary lockdown a turn before you have to Supreme Verdict, and then you've reloaded your um, your lockdown for future cheap creatures. Oh, that's sick. Or if they play more cheap creatures, let's say, right? They play a new Thalia, you temporary lockdown your, or you bounce your temporary lockdown. We have a couple of X spells. So to, you the, to your point, uh, Sphinx's Revelation, March of Otherworldly Light. Just one of approach in the main deck, two Fey of Wishes and, uh, you know, random set of sweepers removal uh, value cards and another uh, approach in the sideboard. Uh, we do get to play one monumental facade because uh, our mana is so good. We are again playing, I think, five MDFCs uh, with a bunch of utility land. We're still playing some cycling land. And yeah. You have some choices here that I, I really like. I mean, obviously, I'm a big Divide by Zero fan in theory, although in practice, I guess we'll find out. Bay of Wishes, this is the other card that seems very attractive to me. Tutoring is another class of effect that's just too expensive for serious play. Except, what if it was free? What if it was cheap? What if it only cost you one mana to cast Granted and just go grab whatever you need from the sideboard? You've got two copies here. Maybe that's the card we're supposed to play a bunch of copies of if we believe in one fours for two. Well, I am a little nervous about playing as a blocker because we are playing temporary lockdown. So in a matchup where we do that, we often might end up temporary lockdowning it away. So we don't get to use the um the the tutor part of it. So I have to see how awkward that is. You know, in theory, you have this backup plan, right? All right, my opponent takes out all my removal. If they're super aggro, you know, actually a 1-4 for 2 is actually quite good against Mono White, let's say. But is that really true if we're going to end up temporary lockdowning it and we lose our tutor? Or maybe it's worth it because it buys us time. You know, I, I don't know how weird that's going to be. 
adventures just generally a nice way to get more spells clunky expensive spells into your deck i think that you know the fey is probably the, the best one by a large margin i'm just looking at the other adventures uh i don't think we want the realm cloaked giant no it's also nice because Faye returns to your hand, right? If you imagine in a later turn, it, you can kind of do it all at once. Return for two, like you say, maybe cast the the adventure side for one and then cast, you know, whatever. Farewell for uh, three or something. <laughs> so you do believe in playing one approach main deck. I guess this is the optional card, right? You don't technically don't have to put the win condition in the main deck. Yeah, you you do not have to do it. I I, I don't know. You know, I haven't played um, approaches decks for a long time. Your sideboard does run out of spaces. I don't like Divide by Zero. This is just a card I'm trying because of Mind Splice Apparatus. We're already playing three terrible cards on our sideboard because of Divide by Zero. So we're actually just running out of space. Hmm. Uh, so if we only have one approach in our whole 75, that just feels a little dicey to me because in a sideboard game, if we cast our approach and or whatever, they go blank us or something. We just, it's really hard for us to win the game now. We have to resolve environmental sciences and like flip our deck and resolve it again, probably. So yeah, I, I get a little nervous about that stuff, but you know, I'm sure the true control maestro is like, I'm sure Nassif would be like, why do we even have an approach? Let's just <laughs> draw all the cards and like, we'll figure it out later. So in terms of acceleration, it's just not happening in this build. You really can't do it in blue-white. That does mean that, you know, instead of Growth Spiral, we're interacting on two, right? We're playing that sensor, we're playing that Jewari Disruption or that White March. Ideally, we're, we're letting them deploy into our Wrath Effects, the temporary lockdown of the Supreme Verdict. I do worry that we just don't quite have enough defense, but maybe I just need to believe, believe in the Wrath, believe in Divide by Zero, and just hope they never resolve Athalia. Yeah, I mean... There's not that much more you can even play <laughs> if you're still going to play all these draw effects. Like, yeah. we, you know, the problem is Mind Splice apparatus takes up four slots and doesn't do anything. And then, all right, we're trying to divide by zero. That takes up four slots and multiple sideboard slots and is an interactive spell, kind of, but is specifically bad against, very bad against Thalia. Um, and then you have to play some sweepers. We're playing five main deck sweeping effects. I mean, you can't play that much more than that. And so then how much more spot removal do you want to play? And then we're playing multiple two mana counter spells. Like you just run on a space in your deck. Right, right. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, this is how you have to build it. So we'll test it out and see if it works. All right. And then the final build is the red, blue, straight red, blue. Like I said, I basically just replaced Galazeth with Mind Slice Apparatus and basically replaced the um, the Young Pyromancer effect with Divide by Zero. And almost every other card in the deck is untouched. So what that means is we keep Consider Opt and a Delve Threat. In this case, Dig Through Time and Temporal Trespass. Yeah, so I replaced Treasure Cruise with Dig specifically because we don't want a bunch of random effects, which you do with the third path, whatever. You just want to cast a bunch of spells to get more 1-1s. One we have specific cards we're trying to hit here, so I thought Dig would be a little better. Cheaper interaction, Fiery Impulse. I mean, we're looking at 12 one-mana spells between the Cantrips and the Fiery Impulse, plus two Spike Field Hazards. So compared to the previous two decks where 
our action didn't really start until turn two, this one can cast a lot more spells quickly. On the flip side, a one mana spell doesn't benefit at all from Mind Spice Apparatus, so that's the trade-off, right? This deck is probably much more functional before the apparatus comes down. You can just essentially set up the Galvanic Iteration endgame with pieces of the puzzle and completely ignore Mind Spice Apparatus. You don't even have to resolve it at all. You can win just doing normal blue-red spell stuff. Exactly. And then with Mind Splice, obviously we can reduce our need for to use the graveyard. We can actually just cast hard cast Alrun's Epiphany. And then the Galvanic Iteration can just straight win the game instead of pseudo win the game by copying a fully kicked fight with fire. Because uh, we want to play Iteration already uh, because this is the kind of shell exactly like you were saying that people are already playing a couple of Iterations to copy Temporal Trespass or Dig Through Time. But copying Fight with Fire fully kicked just does 20. So, um, and we can copy it out of our graveyard with any, you know, Mind Splice Apparatus makes the, reduces the the kicker cost or the flashback cost. So yeah, if Mind Splice Apparatus is on like three, then from the graveyard, we can copy this uh, for eight mana. You just kill your opponent. So this build here, Structurally has some similarities to the Is It Mind Splice Apparatus deck that was registered at the Pro Tour over the weekend. That one was brought by Chris Botello. I don't know how he did with it, but uh, I don't think he made it too far with this build. A lot of the similar setup cards. It's essentially the, the blue-red Phoenix deck, minus the Phoenixes. Even going so far as to play three copies of Thing in the Ice. Another way to get paid off for playing Consider and Opt. Chris was playing uh, just three ops and playing an extra lightning axe instead, but it's functionally very similar. We're just arguing over the numbers. Four spike field hazard in Chris Botello's deck versus two in, in your list. The end game is the same, right? It's trying to double up a turn spell. Galvanic iteration on one of your turn spells. Temporal Trespass is the easier one to cast, but Elrond's Epiphany is the one that's a spectacular finish. So two Epiphany, two Temporal Trespass, and two iteration. Uh, yeah, I think we're playing the exact same numbers. And that's not random. I mean, this is a number that people have kind of arrived at through a trying trying different amounts of this stuff, right? You, you don't want to go overboard on it. You just want to have it be present for when you're ready for that phase of the game. Yeah, I mean, like, I really don't like the card thing in the ice as your only creature because your opponent has a bunch of creature spells in their deck or creature kill spells in their deck game one every deck does so thing in the ice just finds targets for that they're going to find a way to kill it um i've liked it as a sideboard juke in these lists like bringing it in after board when they should take out all their removal but i don't think thing in the ice does anything in game one it's a strange choice maybe that was just like a, a metagame call but i mean what metagame i guess it's good against exactly mono green mono green maybe if if you're afraid of the auras deck you could try a thing in the ice there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, did, I don't think anyone expected the Aura's deck. I, I think, uh, yeah. So I, I really like the fight with fire technology. I, I, I just think that it's going to allow you to win the game out of nowhere without having to like chain all these turn spells and then activate a hall and all this stuff. Like you're already playing, you already want to play the Galvanic Generations. So you're not, I'm not having to play a quote unquote bad card. And then fight with fire in general, you want a five damage effect. He's even playing lightning axe with no way to use Phoenix or anything. You you want to be able to kill Shieldred. You want to be able to kill whatever. 
Fight with Fire just does that and gives you this way to win the game. You know, okay, against Mono Green, they've got it all set up. Like with six mana in play and, and uh, the artifact, you can just kill them. And that's that's attractive to me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm definitely keen to see how the Fight with Fire endgame plays out. It's not that bad of a spell. We've played a lot worse cards. Some people play Mightstone Weakstone when they want to kill a Shield Tread. We can do it <laughs> for just three mana. And even if you don't copy it, like it's it's almost you're also getting to play like the pseudo sweeper, right? You can pay pay six mana and do ten split however you want. That's gonna sweep your opponent's board most of the time. Hopefully. So one list that you and I had discussed a little bit, which we're not proposing at the moment, is what about the Magma Opus show? And I'm specifically wondering about the combination of Magma Opus and Torrential Gear Hulk which I know you've combined in different ways in a bunch of different shells. I mean, you played that with Hanada Dawn Crowns to a 5-0, and in some ways, Hanada and Mind Spice Apparatus like, kind of sit at the same spot on the curve doing the same thing. You played Stern Lesson, which that Power Stone that's generated from the Stern Lesson, you know, that does contribute to the Mind Spice Apparatus, so it's there's maybe something there. Like I know you felt like the Magma Opus was definitely a weaker link in that shell, but there's definitely like a lot of overlap Incidentally, even like commit to memory is a card that I like with Mind Spice Apparatus. It, it happens to also work with a Gear Hulk. Like you can play a Gear Hulk on end step. You're allowed to cast the memory half, and then you get to untap with first access to the seven cards. Yeah, I don't quite understand how the the ruling works there, but that is that is how it works. And so, yeah, maybe that's something to explore. You could actually just like basically cut the stern lessons and replace them straight up with the Mind Splice Apparatus. As sort of your like card that does quote unquote something. Um, and then the mind splice apparatus is also, you know, in game two, your opponent ends up attacking your graveyard a lot. And mind splice apparatus is maybe the way, again, I was playing one Galzeth in my updated version of that list. This this is a, a card that's hard to interact with than Galzeth. It's worse against mono white, but whatever. Um, that allows you to, you know, sort of ignore graveyard hate in your in your sideboard game. So maybe that is the way to go. Also, if you have Galseth in play, you can tap Mind Splice Apparatus for a mana. I mean, that sounds sweet. <laughs> yeah, like, there's there's some weird interaction between Improvise and Spell Packages. Like, Reverse Engineer kind of works with that. Word of Invention is an X spell that finds the apparatus, and then later it can find a Gear Hulk. Um, I don't know. Oh, that's interesting. Word is interesting. Is there, like, some super expensive artifact that just wins the game? Maybe like the six mana one that makes all their spells cost more and does a damage to them every turn. That doesn't win the game, but yeah, there's the nine mana portal that kind of wraths them. Okay. That might be, that might be something. I was going to say just getting more gear hulks is probably correct, but that, that yeah, is that's probably right. weak to graveyard hate though. So ah, I don't know. There's definitely a lot to play with. We're going to just, Stick with these decks for now. This is a card, Mind Spice Apparatus, that has gotten a lot more attention than I initially thought it might. Like, I was going through the Goldfish user-submitted decks, and there was almost, like, three pages worth of decks. Some streamers, I think maybe Todd Anderson and some other streamers, were, like, trying heavily to make the card work. None of them have succeeded yet. There have not been any 5-0s in Pioneer with this list, and definitely not in Modern. But the power is there. And I think that, you know, we're on the right track in terms of like packages to explore. 
Yeah, hopefully. It is a little concerning. I mean, these streamers just play league after league after league. And when they don't succeed, that maybe suggests, you know, we don't get to play that many leagues Mm. in a given week, right? Our job is not to play Magic for six, eight hours a day. You know, I play maybe a league or two a week. Um, So, you know, when people who have more time than us don't succeed, that is a little ominous. But uh, maybe we have a few ideas from them that we can combine with our own and, and maybe find something that they didn't. That's the hope. Well, we'll test it this week. We'll let you know what we discover. On that note, we have a flashback segment coming up. So last week, our card was a Traxa Grand Unifier. Card that we've liked in concept. I mean, you know, we we rank this highly and Ward and I both put this on top of our lists. The question was always, is it worth the hassle of getting it into play? Sometimes these cards go under the radar for a long time and, you know... It just never ends up being worth it. Sometimes a streamer or someone else actually puts this card in their deck and just the hype goes nuts. With Atraxa, you know, the day after we recorded, the weekend tournament results started to trickle out and Atraxa was in winning lists for Standard and Legacy and Vintage. When that happens, well, the speculation starts. The the buyout happened immediately. The card (laughs) went up from $10 to $40 overnight. Next few days, everyone's putting Atraxa into their modern decks, putting into their Pioneer decks. I was playing a league yesterday with a pretty bad build, I have to say, and my opponent was just griping at me the entire time about how my deck was going to get banned because, (laughs) you know, enjoy it now, it'll be banned in two days. I'm like, really? Because my deck feels pretty bad to me, and also, like, come on. Like, let's, let's just calm down the hype for a second here. You can't go from no one's playing this card to banned in a, the span of two days. But that's how the content machine works, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a hell of a world out there. So what does it all mean? Well, it means that we didn't have to test the tracks that much because everyone else was doing it for us. Lots of attractive decks were played. I mean, the card is very expensive right now on Magic Online. And some decks were succeeding. I'm going to mention Modern first, where you have a lot more options for getting Atraxa into play. I think it's fair to say, you can tell me if you agree with this, David, that Atraxa is just like a much stronger card in Modern because of pitch spells. It's actually weakest in Pioneer, because if you tap out, resolve Atraxa, and end your turn, you have not won the game. You, you have not stabilized at all. And this was a problem I faced in, when I was testing this in Pioneer. But a Modern is different, specifically because of Grief, because of Solitude. You can resolve Atraxa and just immediately defang the opponent. We saw people doing that with Goryo's Vengeance. I think uh, maybe it was Aspiring Spike who would stream this, and people picked it up and you know immediately started putting up results and preliminaries. It's the Aspergorio's Shell, which these days no longer includes cards like Jace Friend's Prodigy or Obsidian. It's just Grief, Solitude, Ephemerate. Atraxa pitches to both, so you have four Atraxas and two Gristlebrands. To get the Atraxa into play, uh, you're going to go the reanimation route. That means four Goryo's Vengeance, two Footsteps of the Goryo. Putting Atraxa into the graveyard, you have four Faithful Mendings, two Tainted Indulgence, and four Shadow Prophecy, a card that uh, we, we really like in theory. The domain mana base for Shadow Prophecy means you're also playing Leyline Binding. And a neat bit of tech, there's one copy of Not of This World. Tribal Sorcery, or Tribal Instant even, 
Tribal Instant, Eldrazi, that means that Atraxa picks it up more or less for free as an extra card type. It protects the Atraxa for zero mana. Um, or it's just a card that you pitch to your Faithful Mending. Also a card you can draw to if they try to kill your Gristlebrand. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. So you have a lot of ways to end up with a giant life-licking flyer in play and a full grip of cards. Is this deck going to be an important player in the metagame? I'm not sure, but uh, it, it was seeing some great success for a few days. Yeah, and it's at least a little bit nice to kind of mix up the normal reanimation plan, which is just MH2. They pre-built the deck for you. And so at least there's like cards from Magic's history that we're playing uh, instead of just the random corporate <laughs> garbage. And it tracks that works better with Ephemerate, right? Um, Grizzlebrand, if you Ephemerate, it stays in play. It's an 8-8 lifelink flyer, right? We're, no one's knocking that, but it doesn't actually draw any more cards. So if, if you drew down to 7 life or whatever and you you blink it, and they try to kill it you can't draw anymore in response so but yeah it really is a function of the mh2 elementals it's awesome in legacy because it pitches to force to force of will that's also why it's great in uh in vintage so it's a gristle brand-esque power level whether one is better or worse in certain situations i don't have any interest in arguing that stupidly but it does pitch to a bunch of stuff and that's actually what the older formats are about is um not playing magic right playing free spells Unfortunately, the other way to get Atraxa into play quite easily is Indomitable Creativity. And we had already talked about last week, a showcase winning list that added one Atraxa in addition to the Archon of Cruelties. People continue to iterate on that this week and the re reviews are mixed, I would say. I would say some people have reported they're very happy with one Atraxa and others saying that they don't like that they cannot guarantee Archon every time. So we'll see what happens with that. But otherwise, that's just a creativity deck. What I didn't quite expect, although I, I see the logic here, is a couple of players trying out Atraxa as just like a Niv-Mizzet Reborn style tutor target that you go fetch it up when you're ready for a fresh hand of cards. What decks are capable of doing that? Well, one of them is Omneth, so like an Omneth Elementals deck, playing Eladomri's Call for copies because it can get Solitudes, it can get Endurances, and some of the time you might want to get Atraxa. The other deck that I saw doing this was actually a Devoted Druid combo deck. Devoted Druid combo has nothing to do with Atraxa, right? Yeah, I was stunned <laughs> to see it in here, but it makes sense as soon as you explained it. Right, like you're already playing for Eladomri's Call, and actually this player was playing for Fiend Artisan as well. So there's scenarios where you have access to one tutor and a bunch of mana. Maybe, maybe you just need a fresh hand of cards. So you can put an Atraxa into what is otherwise a green-white deck, the cute thing there is that because they're playing Birds of Paradise and because they're playing Tyvar Jubilant Brawler, uh, they can theoretically just hard cast the Atraxa that way um, with Tyvar and Birds. Or you just use Fiendars to get it. So that was pretty cool to see one Atraxa in Devoted Combo by Gala Triste. But the more common use was this Omneth Elementals deck, which I've seen called uh, Elesh Mentals because more frequently you're trying to get Elesh Norn, double up your Solitude triggers, double up your Omneth triggers. And every once in a while, you might get an Atraxa. Also, honestly, Atraxa should just draw four cards. Like, the text on it is just stupid for no reason. It's going to take a while to resolve, and it can have all these judge calls and stuff. Just, it should just say draw four. But they, like, have to pretend, like, oh, mythic, we, we special text. It's like, eh, draw, it, draw four. Okay. <laughs> 
I mean, it's much more powerful than draw four. That's the thing. <laughs> well, whatever. Draw five. I mean, it sh- it sh- the way it's worded is really stupid and clunky for no reason. And it functionally should just be a draw four and we should just move on. I kind of like the trigger. I think the trigger is like really flavorful and elegant. Well, there's a sucker born every minute. <laughs> I think there's no accounting for taste, David. You gotta, you gotta appreciate like the the lore of a track. So this is what she does, right? She she brings together all things. I thought she proliferated. Wasn't that the first? But now the new attraction. Okay. <laughs> She's a grand unifier. So it, a card should never say draw again. Then she'd be like, look at your top seventeen, and if there's a card that costs four mana but has a Phyrexian symbol in it, you can put it in your hand. It's like. How about just draw one? We don't have to do all this nonsense. Well, because people don't build their deck differently because of this card. That's the thing, which is the first thing we said when we talked about it. It's like, oh, you don't actually have to make any allowances for it. It's not like Nimizit where you like build around it. You're just like, my deck has lands. Okay, it's going to hit one of those and it's going to have creatures. All right, it's going to hit one of those. And I'm probably interacting with my opponent. So it'll hit uh, Thoughtseize and it might hit uh, Lightning Bolt there. And it's like, oh, okay, so it's just instant draw four. Well, that's a good segue to talking about Pioneer because these issues exactly came up in the Pioneer list that I was trying. The first one I tried was, based on the the shell that you had sketched out for us, a Turbo All-In Attraxa deck. What does Turbo Attraxa mean? It means you're going to actually neoform for it. You're going to fill up your graveyard by hook and by crook by just junky-ass cards like Grizzly Salvage, uh, Otherworldly Gaze, whatever you got to do to get your graveyard full to resolve a powerhouse like Hooting Mandrills or Sultai Scavenger. From there, because it has technically CMC6, you can Neoform it away or Eldritch Evolution it away to get your Atraxa into play. What happens next? Did you win? And that was the question. That was exactly the question that I wanted to find out. Yeah, you were pissing and moaning in the uh, chat about how bad the deck was, and then you were like, well, it, uh, the league actually went pretty good. The deck was pretty bad, but I did get a 4-1. Also, rule, rules note, I did not know you could play Arcane Proxy with uh, Gigantha. Yeah, it only sees the upper right corner. Okay, all right, good, to, good note. Yeah, I actually got a 4-1 with this build. I made a few changes, so one of the things that I wanted to make sure was that my attractor trigger finds interaction because I, I wasn't convinced that just having a big body was going to do anything. So I, I wanted to make sure that at least from the attractor trigger, I have the chance of, you know, disrupting the opponent a little more. Obviously we have the four thought seeds, but I wanted to put spot removal in. So I, I made room for three fatal push, one power world kill, one abrupt decay. I also was not totally convinced by Eldritch Evolution because it's a full turn slower than Neoform in most cases. And it's just clunky, right? It makes this double green. It's, it's a nasty little card. What if I can just get away with playing Arcane Proxy instead? So that, uh, you know, maybe I accidentally milled a Neoform from Grizzly Salvage, or maybe they countered it or something, right? This is technology that, that David first explored uh, during Arcane Proxy Week. And I think you, you warned me not to try this. <laughs> you said it was not good. Definitely not a strong card, but yeah, I definitely I did need extra neoforms that's absolutely the bottleneck in the way that i built this deck so three proxies replacing eldritch revolution and i made room for the spot removal by trimming lands and trimming on um tutor targets so uh, only attracts for tutor targets there's no other seven drops at least as i constructed the deck 
what I found was that getting a track set into play on turn three, usually turn four, happened most games. Like most of the time I was able to do it. Sometimes I failed to launch. The first Atraxa did not win the game. The first Atraxa sort of stabilized. It sort of presented a board state in which I was slightly ahead. Like I have a little more board presence and a little more cards in hand. But if the opponent removed the Atraxa, I was again behind. I needed to have found a path to a second Atraxa off the first Atraxa. And in that respect, it reminded me a lot of like playing five color Niv, where the first Niv doesn't win the game, but it, it finds you the second Niv and it finds you the tools to stabilize. So that actually is kind of how this played out. Yes, yeah, so you went 4 1 and you played all three games in every match. <laughs> so you got your money's worth in that league. Oh, yeah. 15 games. You lost four game ones, which is in theory, <laughs> with our unfair about to be band deck, we should be winning game one, right? And, and our opponent's supposed to have a fighting chance in game two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, I beat Mama Green, I beat Abzan Grease Fang. All these matches went to three games. Beat Demir Control, where you know they had multiple Narsets in play throughout the match, but Narset does not stop a track. <laughs> so there oh, it is, there David. It is. I mean, yeah. The technology. They had to make print an anti-Narset on our seven mana. <laughs> I was wondering if I should play Narset like in this deck, because it's a planeswalker for a track set to find, but I, it made me lose Gigantha. So that's the other thing that really came up over and over again throughout the league was. I needed some way to actually cast Atraxa normally just on turn seven onward because this ends up being a control deck. Even though it's a turbo Atraxa deck, the games take many turns. And without access to white mana in the deck, I just, you know, I felt very foolish. I had no way to make any use of an Atraxa that was naturally drawn. And you don't have any looting effects either to turn it into a different card. Correct. The, the only chance I have to use Atraxa is to fetch Gigantha as my companion, <laughs> summon my trusty elk and tap Gigantha to cast Atraxa. So, how to fix that? Well, the easiest solution is to change the mana base. I don't know if you can do that on a 21 land count deck, which is what I had to do to like make my changes, so there's some change here that I have not accounted for yet that needs to be made to allow hard casting Atraxa. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've built Neoformish lists multiple times. They're, they print new seven mana hits multiple times that we find are interesting. For a while, people were building the Neoform into the 5-5 dragon with haste, the red-white one. That would just take all the turns. Mm -hmm. um, Zach liked the dragon in modern. I'm, I'm spacing on the name. The, the red-white. Velamachus Lorehold, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it seems like as a value proposition, um, Atraxa is probably the best seven drop, right? So it, it at least prompts you to think about making some of these decks, but the shells themselves are basically the same. Uh, you know, I've, we've seen some transmogrify for this seven drop instead of the old seven drops. We're neoforming into this seven drop instead of, you know, whatever the six, six worm that makes three, three worms. Um, it's interesting, like, it's not trivial to stop the Neoform combo without counter magic. Like just playing like hearse is good, but it's not unbeatable. And like Thoughtseize is fine, but it's not unbeatable. Like it's, it's actually kind of hard to like totally shut it down in a way that like a reanimator shell is actually just beaten by hearse. 
Agreed. I was surprised at how reliable Neoform was. Like outside of specifically Counterspell, I felt like they couldn't stop me from getting the Atraxa into play. Whereas compare if I had built a Transmogrify deck, which I'm still interested in trying, but there you just like you're so nervous. You're <laughs> you're pointing your four mana precious sorcery at like a dwarf token and just hoping it resolves. That's a very different thing from, you know, I spend one mana for Assault Eye Scavenger and two mana to Neoform and that's it. There's there's no removal involved. There's no window for them to do anything about that. And the nice part is like, okay, you don't draw your Neoform or they thought sees it. Like, okay, you're left with, uh, you know, one mana, four, five, which isn't great. <laughs> you know, like these cards aren't super powerful, but they're not terrible. You know, they block most creatures. They can attack into certain most boards. Like your fail plan is like a C instead of a D minus. I won a couple of games that way. I mean, Tassigo yeah. just being big enough to block Old Growth Troll, being big enough to block a Seeker's Chariot made a difference. Yeah. Yeah, the Scavenger's 3-3 three, three flying, so it's like good enough. So picked off some Planeswalkers that way. I didn't even know Scavenger existed. I think the shell I had just had four of the monkey that's 4-4 four, four Trample, but I didn't know Scavenger existed, so that's probably why I just picked the monkey. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're functionally similar. It's Maybe a 2-2 two, two split is right just for color considerations. The things that overperformed was Attracts of Finding Artifacts. Now, I know we don't like a crane proxy, but there were some really sad Attracts of Triggers that only got, like, land, Tassiger, and, like, an instant. Those games I lost, because that's just not enough. But when I could get that plus an Arcane Proxy to rebuy another removal spell from the graveyard... Those games were wins, and what was especially good was Atraxa finding Unlicensed Hearst from my sideboard. So, as much as we said you don't have to change your deck to account for Atraxa, like it, it did noticeably improve performance when I took a minute to just like add a few more card types. Salt Eye Colors don't really get access to the good enchantments. You don't get Leyline Binding, you don't get Fable. But, I mean, you mentioned I should consider the green Vessel of Nascency, and, and maybe I should have just done that. Like, that probably would have been better than Grissy Salvage, even though it's slower. Just to have a slightly better Atraxa trigger. Yeah. Obviously, you know, these... The problem is these shells kind of get locked into the parts, like you're saying. You have to have a certain amount of Delve cards. You have to have a certain amount of... Obviously, four Neoforms, you have to have enough hits. You wanted to play a fourth Atraxa, even. You're trying to make sure you can play the stupid companion. You want some own interaction. And then you have to play some on a lands. And it's like, all right, we're kind of out of space. <laughs> so, you know, it's hard. Like, Grizzly Salvage is so much better than the Green Enchantment. I would propose a Green Enchantment as an addition to Grizzly Salvage. But, and then again, Atraxa maybe wants you to play a bunch of random types because the trigger is stupid. So it just seems like a really tough problem to solve. Now, you said the list didn't feel good, but then you had all the success. So maybe the lesson is like Atrax is just worth the loops because of how powerful uh, it is. Or maybe your opponent just played poorly or maybe you played very well. Or I mean, you were losing every game one, though, so it's not like you were super fortunate. I, I, I find it hard to square your kind of description of the deck with how successful you were. Well, the matchups I faced in Mono Green, Grease Fang... Mono White Humans, Demir Control, Golgari Midrange. Just the way I played out, nobody seriously tried to stop me from doing my thing. They just let me do my thing. And, you know, I'm not sure that I would have been able to beat heavier disruption elements. Like, Demir Control is the only deck that played counterspells. Thalia from Mono White just 
completely destroyed me. So <laughs> this is a fragile, fragile plan. It's not like a foolproof plan. I guess that's my point. Maybe we should just be ramping to Atraxa. We don't have to do any Neoform shenanigans. Well, exactly. That was my second thought. So the second Atraxa deck I tried, I wanted to go on the other direction, right? I was fairly convinced from my, my testing league with Neoform that a resolved Atraxa is insanely powerful, but I didn't like all the hoops. So I thought, okay, let's just go the complete opposite direction. No cheating. I'm just going to pay actual mana. I like the Gigantha tapping for Atraxa. That seemed good. I like the idea of Omnath mana making my Atraxa. I like Sylvan Carry to just naturally ramping. I like, you know, a fable making a treasure. These things can get you to seven before you know it, as long as you're in the business of control. So the list that I next tried was just a pretty standard five color control concept. I based it off of Nick Cirillo's Pro Tour list that we talked about on our Monday show. I just added one Atraxa main and one Atraxa side, and having played this league to a 3-2 result, I would probably move the second Atraxa to the main deck. I actually don't know why he didn't play Atraxa. But, I mean, this is a question where it's like, it's not really about Atraxa anymore. Like, it's just the top end of the control deck. I, I have no control over when I find it. There's no way to tutor for it. It's just like the card that I will win with eventually. For me, I was more interested in like how how strong is the five color control concept, right? Because you'll play most of the game in the pre-Atraxa phase. So is this chain to the rocks, leyline binding, five color shell actually good? I expected that it would be like a mid-range killer and that it would be pretty weak against dedicated aggro and dedicated control. That's more or less how I played out. I mean, I, I lost a Lotus combo, as one would expect. I lost kind of surprisingly to just like a green-white Llanowar Elf mid-range deck where they were just trying to ramp into stuff like Asika's Chariot and Lovestruck Beast and Skyclave Apparition. It was a strange deck and I was kind of surprised to lose to that. But it, it reinforced for me that, yeah, I mean, as much as we love these cards, you're playing a lot of Triumphs. You're kind of going to fall behind. Yeah, turn one elf is the thing that's really pushed this deck out of everything. It's just impossible for this deck to beat turn one elf. And even if they're ramping to less than uh, a serene uh, top end, it's just so fast, right? If you're if you're on the draw and you play Triome into whatever, you're just so far behind. That's exactly it. Yeah, there's not really a way to catch up to the tempo. You can you can catch up eventually. You can bring to light for a sweeper. The deck did not have a Supreme Verdict in it, which was kind of a problem. Vehicles are a lot more common now than they ever have been in Pioneer, so even casting a Verdict, uh, this this deck had Extinction Event and Selfless Glyphweaver. It was never going to be a clean sweep, and that was also quite frustrating. So I think if this if this five-color shell is going to be a player, it needs to like rethink or just pay a little bit closer attention to like how it, how it keeps up with the Mana Elves. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not really soluble. Uh, I mean, there's no, there's like a new printing would have to happen. The the mana just doesn't allow you to do like turn one on the draw. You even have to take, even if you're on the play, you have to take your whole turn two to cast a chain of the rocks if you played a mountain, which is not a guarantee by any stretch of the imagination. You just can't play out on curve against them. You have to take t time off to cast removal spells. Fatal push, maybe? Is that... I mean, I guess we can't... 
How much black is this deck playing? <laughs> like you, you, you have like <sighs> six sources of black. This deck was not playing black, but previous versions of like five color Niv when it still had Niv in it would sometimes opt for thoughts using Fatal Push as like their skew of the earlier plays towards black. Now, ever since Leyline Binding, it's shifted towards white, and and this build, like we talked about on Monday, goes even more extreme and plays Change to the Rocks. This is like a white red skewed build, but. I don't know. I mean, three, two is not bad. So yeah, it's functional. I mean, maybe you actually just need more Elish Norns like Elish Norn and Omnath seems, I don't actually think Atraxa does anything for this list. I don't know what matchup it could possibly help you against. Elish Norn actually like stops chariot triggers from creatures coming into play for mono green, etc. Like it just seems better than Atraxa for what you're doing and to stop what your opponent's doing. Well, I'll tell you, the, the role that Atraxa did that the other cards were not doing is this deck cannot actually bring to light for cards. Like, there's no Niv-Mizzet Reborn in the deck, so if I have my Omneth in play and my Elish Norn in play, I'm still only drawing one card a turn. Like, I, I need to actually find something that puts me ahead on cards. So there's one Escape to the Wild, so that's not really very much. I mean, there's different ways to build it. You don't have to play Gigantha. You could play Yorian instead, and maybe that's how you unlock more cards. But, you know, Atraxa is a card that actually wins after Omneth and Elish Norn lock things down. If you have Omneth and Elish Norn in play and don't win and you need a whole other seven mana card, then we should be abandoning this deck. Like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> Just play anything that draws a card when it comes into play. <laughs> and Elish Norn doubles it. Play another Omneth. You're like, I have my four mana mythic in play and my five mana mythic in play. Now the only way I can win is if I draw my seven mana mythic and resolve it. I hear you, but you agree that you need some card draw. Whether it's a tracks or whether it's something else, you need some card draw. I don't believe that. Just, at- just attack them with the Elish Norn. What's going on around here? They have a lot of power and toughness in play. Like, Elish, <laughs> you can't attack Elish Norn into like... Cast Leyline Bind? I don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> You can't one for one forever. You ha- you have to eventually get a three or four or five for one. I mean that that's Atraxa's role. It feels like what you'd it feels like you'd want a bring to light target that does that. I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know why it has to be Atraxa specifically, other than it's Atraxa weak. Well, there's one uh, Escape to the Wilds. That's the option here. But like there there isn't really a card that does that. There's Nimbus at Reborn, which this deck is no longer good for. But it, what if the trigger was doubled? And then you'd for sure find your one of uh, Prismari Command. <laughs> you could definitely try. You could definitely try a Niv instead of an Atraxa. Yeah, anyway. Uh, so those are the decks I tried in Pioneer. Um, other people were playing different takes on this in Pioneer. You know, we talked about the Obosh Creativity deck from Mr. Rabe. Uh, that got a 5-0 transmogrify is another good way to get a tracks into play um i saw a 5-0 list essentially using the transmogrify fires shell where you're, you're looking at tokens from chariot tokens from careful cultivation from fable of the mirror breaker that happens to be karuga compatible so that's another uh that's your companion of choice you have many companion options so that list uh 5-0 in the hands of bcs 8995 you can even reanimate a Traxa and Pioneer, and we've seen uh, Vat of Rebirth as like an interesting way to get a cheap reanimation effect. Vat of Rebirth picks up counters just from doing the normal Rakdos Sack thing, so a variant on regular Rakdos Sack 
plays four VAT of Rebirth and three Atraxas, and that was able to uh, get a nice result in a prelim this week as well. So we're basically looking at all the different ways to get Atraxa into play. We know what's powerful when you resolve it. That, that much is clear. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's only so many ways you can get a seven mana card into play. <laughs> you can pay the seven mana or you can cheat it in a variety of ways. Attracts it seems to be the best of all the seven mana options. So it just sort of takes the place of other seven mana cards in all these shells. And it's interesting to see if it kind of has staying power. We didn't see any Atraxas. Am I speaking accurately in the Pro Tour? Correct. Or did one sneak into the Incarnation list? The Incarnation player was not playing it. I think uh, okay. the Incarnation players don't want it. That seems to be their consensus right now. Well, it can only what, draw three cards, right? Creature, enchantment, land. I can probably draw four if I had to guess, but it's more like, is drawing a card better than just impacting the board, right? Titan of Industry just gives you board presence plus something else. So yeah, what I found from <laughs> Neoforming attracts in many times over is that it, it extends the game. It doesn't end the game. You know, if people are just trying to end the game, whether that's with, you know, Indomitable Creativity for Zen and Ghost plus Emrakul or Lotus Combo or something else, or just Grease Fang hitting the air for a bunch. Maybe that's just like a more efficient payoff for all the setup work you have to do. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll see a lot of people playing around with Atraxa until they print a slightly better 7-drop in the next sets or two, and then we'll have to uh, run these same shells back and see if that card is even a little better than Atraxa. Or maybe we'll have, like, uh, you know, like, the left Twix versus the right Twix where people uh, divide into camps and one person wants to transmogrify into Atraxa and the other one wants to transmogrify into Gandalf or the Balrog or whatever they print in the <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's definitely going to happen. All right. In that, in that case, I'm going to enjoy Atrexa while I still can. Because There you go. <laughs> yeah. It's a Niv-Mizzet style card for sure. Like it allows you to win with the rest of your deck. So the more disruptive the rest of your deck is, the better Atrexa will do for you. That's different from a card like Archon or the Balrog that just wins by itself. <laughs> the Balrog's only susceptibility is ancient <laughs> geriatric men on thin stone bridges. But you know you can't put that card in your deck yet, so. <laughs> All right, so that's some ideas from Mindspice Apparatus. That's some results, a lot of results from Atraxa. Yeah, now it's a $60 card, so... <laughs> All right, David, anything else? No, we'll have to see if uh, Mind Splice Apparatus is uh, worth its salt. And um, hopefully sometime along the way, we get to counter Atraxa <laughs> with a very cheap, uh, expensive counter spell with uh, Mind Splice Apparatus in play. Exactly. All right, we'll leave it there. All right, take care. Deck lists for this episode can be found at our homepage, faithlessbrewing.com. Tune in next time for a first look at March of the Machine, and don't forget to vote for our next monthly project. Details can be found at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. We're making a pledge at any tier, helps support the podcast, and gets you immediate access to our Discord community, as well as other cool rewards. 
That's all for today. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.